1: life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you you'll be set
1: for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through you'll be set for life have you ever gone way too far with something before <laughs> of course we have uh for example myself i'm in the ham radio hobby And some people say, well, why do you need more than one radio? I've had three or four antennas on my truck. I've got a station, ham radio station at my house. And my dad says that when you sit at the station, the control point, it's like sitting at the helm of a submarine, he called it. But (laughs) have you ever gone too far with something to where it caused damage? Okay, that's going to be like in our chapter today. The Lord had to remove Israel's leadership that had continually pushed all that Baal worship on Israel as a national religion. So the Lord anointed a new king out of Commander Jehu and told him to annihilate the former king's entire family line for the sin of the false idol worship that he had pushed, and plus to avenge the blood of all of God's people that had been murdered off the prophets and the ministers that went to call Israel to repentance to return back to God. Ahab's line killed them, so now Jehu had to come take out Ahab's line. And Jehu's going to get a little too far with things, but let's start in 2 Kings 10 verse 1, where Ahab's 70 sons are killed. Now Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, and Jehu wrote and sent letters to Samaria, to the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to those who reared Ahab's sons saying, Now as soon as this letter comes to you, since your master's sons are with you, and you have chariots and horses, a fortified city also, and weapons, choose the best qualified of your master's sons, set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. So in the story, if any of these seventy sons of Ahab had remained alive, then they could have tried their claim to try to take the throne which would keep Baal worship as national policy. So it would be rather impossible to kill off 70 guys that were spread all over the land. This was going to be hard for Jehu to take them all out. 70 guys all over the place. How do you get all these guys? Once word got out about the first few getting killed off, then the rest would take up defenses or they would run and hide. So Jehu has quite a task to try to kill 70 of Ahab's sons. But let's recall that the Lord had anointed Jehu as king. Now that brought Jehu both empowerment and also knowledge directly from the Lord on how to work this mission out. And so Jehu was led to write these letters to all the leaders of Israel that were not related to Ahab, people that he figured would be loyal to Ahab's line and not loyal to himself. He wrote letters to people that raised Ahab's sons. He knows they're going to be loyal to Ahab's line. Now, this is quite a strategy here that Jehu challenged all these leaders. He said, establish Ahab's sons as the new king and that he would come to fight them for rule personally. He said, fight for your country, meaning whoever wins, I'll come and fight them. You set them as king, I'll come fight them, and whoever wins gets to be king. And so every set of leaders that had raised one of these 70 sons, you've got probably people all over the land that got letters. They were challenged to a royal fight. Now, I'm pretty sure that everybody that got letters did not realize that similar letters went out to the other caretakers of the other 69 sons that Ahab had. (laughs) So these letters are coming, set them up as a king, I'll come fight them for the right. Well, it went out to all these guys. So here's a challenge to fight for the throne. 2 Kings 10 and 4. But they were exceedingly afraid and said, Look, two kings could not stand up to him. How then can we stand? And he who was in charge of the house, and he who was in charge of the city, the elders also, and those who reared the sons, sent to Jehu, saying, We are your servants. We will do all you tell us, but we will not make anyone king. Do what is good in your sight. Then he wrote a second letter to them, saying, If you are for me and will obey my voice, take the heads of the men, your master's sons, and come to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the king's sons, seventy persons, were with the great men of the city who were rearing them. So it was when the letter came to them that they took the king's sons and slaughtered seventy persons, put their heads in baskets, and sent them to him at Jezreel. Then a messenger came and told him, saying, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, Lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until morning. So, wow, look at how the Lord played out this brilliant strategy. What would have taken Jehu years to drag down all 70 of these guys? The Lord God got them all in one day. What was plaguing the land all over that would have been so much sin to get rid of on one guy, on Jehu, the Lord got done all at once. And so the reason why they put their heads at the gate, I know it's very barbaric, but that's where there was major traffic. That's where everybody was coming in and out of town all the time. And they would, everybody would see these heads piled up in two heaps, and then everybody would understand that the sin of Baal worship had been put down and done away with. 2 Kings 10.9 So it was in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, You are righteous. Indeed, I conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? Know now that nothing shall fall to the earth of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done what he spoke by his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel and all his great men and his close acquaintances and his priests until he left him none remaining. So Jehu told the people that this was not murder and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't on them. He tried to assure them that this was the judgment of the Lord because all these guys that he had killed were themselves murderers. These men that died were murderers, and they had to be put away. So Jehu basically said, look, this was foretold, and it was commanded by the Lord. And so it was very important that Jehu conveyed to the people that he was innocent of these 70 deaths so that they wouldn't try to come bring a charge against him for these 70 sons of Ahab being killed. These guys had been tearing up the nation with Ahab's passed-down wickedness of Baal worship and the people were tired of it. And so Jehu was saying, look, this was the Lord's judgment against these men. And so Jehu even backed his claim up against what Elijah had said foretelling that this would happen, so that if anybody wanted to go validate his actions of having these guys killed, then what anybody could do is they could go ask any prophet, any prophet of the Lord, if what Jehu had done agreed with the Lord's will. So he was saying, look, this was God's will for this. Don't, th- you had no fault in this. You're all righteous. You're clean of this. This was the Lord's judgment against Ahab's line. If you want, check against the prophets, and they will validate that this was the Lord that ordered this to take place. But there is one thing that does pain me here when I read this, is the fact that we read that Jehu also killed Ahab's friends. It said acquaintances, right? Had Ahab's friends killed off. Some priests were killed off. And friends, that was not part of God's command. Yes, we can justify that killing the Baal priest is seemingly justified in our mind, but God did not command Jehu to kill them too. God said, kill off the house, which means the family of Ahab. He did not say, kill off everybody that Ahab knew. And so Jehu ended up killing off a lot of guys that could have helped him become a much better king than what he actually turned out to be later. And so because Jehu went too far, the Lord will have to judge him for it later in Hosea 1 verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So the reason why God called Jehu's name here as being Jezreel is because that's where Jehu's big massacre ended up happening. It happened here in Jezreel. Remember, we read in verse 6, he said, take the heads of these men and come to me at Jezreel this time tomorrow. Bring their heads to Jezreel. So Jehu did this massacre at Jezreel. He brought the heads of Ahab's sons there, but he also killed off a lot more than just Ahab's line. And the Lord will have to later judge Jehu for going way too far with this. So now I can see how we could make the case that the Baal priests deserve death too. Yeah, why don't we kill them also? But guys, our justifications should never get in the way of God's commands. The Lord simply did not command Jehu to kill everybody else also. Jehu went overboard. He got carried away, got a little overzealous here, and perhaps... God maybe could have taken out the Baal priest later in some other way, or if anybody didn't repent, he could have taken them out in another way. Maybe the Lord God did not want them taken out right away because he was giving them time to see what happened to Ahab's line so that then they would want to repent themselves. I don't know. But our justifications, you know, in Jehu thinking, let's just kill them all, that did not give him the right to go as far as he did. So you could say that Jehu did um, uh, most of what he was supposed to do, even though he did a little beyond that. <laughs> Second kings ten and twelve. And he arose and departed and went to Samaria on the way at Beth-Aked of the shepherds. Jehu met with the brothers of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and said, "Who are you?" So they answered, "We are the brothers of Ahaziah. We have come down to greet the sons of the king and the sons of the queen mother." And he said, take them alive. So they took them alive and killed them at the well of Beth Echid, 42 men, and he left none of them. Okay, obviously, these 42 guys, they had not yet heard of Jehu's work of killing everybody off Ahab's line. So they just went ahead and told him who they were. We're brothers of Ahaziah and the queen mother. We're going to go meet them. And that queen mother was Jezebel. That was Ahab's wife. Now, she's that woman in the previous chapter that had gotten horse stomped into strawberry jam. Okay, now it's possible that not all 42 of these guys had a direct blood relation to Ahab, but Jadu didn't care. He heard all he needed to hear, and so he killed every last one of them. 2 Kings 10.15 Now, when he departed from there, he met Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him, and he greeted him and said to him, Is your heart right? As my heart is toward your heart. And Jehonadab answered, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand and he took him up to him into the chariot. Then he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride right in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he killed all who remained to Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed them according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Okay, now he's doing what he's supposed to again. He went a little overboard before, but now he's killing Ahab's guys, okay? And so this guy, Jehonadab, though, who is this? That was a really strict guy that followed God's law to an absolute T. He was very strict about the Mosaic law. And so, Jehonadab would have been in complete support of Jehu eliminating Baal worship from Israel. So, Jehonadab had already heard about Jehu killing off the Baal worshippers, which is why his heart was glad towards Jehu. He actually liked what Jehu was doing in this. Now, for our modern audience, I want us to understand this is not religious war-making. This is not to say, well, you don't agree with me, so I'm going to kill you kind of, kind of a thing here. Don't, don't be a lightweight. Let's get in deep here, okay? We've got to keep the perspective that many Israelites over many, many years had been suffering under Ahab's curse, his sin curse of Baal worship, and quite frankly, people were tired of it. The nation was in ruins. They, the leadership ran it into the ground. And now Jehu was somebody who was finally given charge by God to do something about it. And so guys like Jehonadab, they actually looked forward to the blessing of the Lord coming to return back to the land again. This is not just about going and killing everybody that disagrees with you. We got to think better than that. This is about God restoring order, people repenting and turning back to him so that God can bless the nation again. And so Jehu invited Jehonadab to come watch his zeal for the Lord. Zeal means focus. It's your drive. It's what you're wanting to do. He said, come see my zeal for the Lord, as Jehu killed off more of Ahab's line in Samaria. 2 Kings ten eighteen. Then Jehu gathered all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little. Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore call to me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let no one be missing, for I have a great sacrifice for Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu acted deceptively with the intent of destroying the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, Proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then Jehu sent throughout all Israel... And all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left who did not come. So they came into the temple of Baal, and the temple of Baal was full from one end to the other. And he said to the one in charge of the wardrobe, Bring out vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. So he brought out vestments for them. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshippers of Baal, Search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshipers of Baal. Wow, look at this, so okay, Jehu he called up a big baal worship party it's It's going to be the biggest baal party you ever saw. Everybody come, everybody better be there, so everybody shows up. Hey, we're going to worship our God Baal. This is the biggest party. it's going to be huge. This is a big deal. so they proclaimed this huge thing, and they were going to hold this party in the temple that Ahab had built for Baal. Now, I want to show you about this when he built this, when Ahab built that temple in 1 Kings sixteen thirty two, Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Okay, this is written. It's in God's word, friends. This is God's word says this. Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible, okay? It made God mad. Setting this all up for Baal and not the Lord God in God's own nation of Israel among God's own called people, that infuriated God because it was built by a king. Ahab did this. It was built, this temple was built by a king, by a man who was appointed to rule over God's people, Israel. And by building that temple, what he had done, he had instituted an official false religion that caused God's own covenant people to turn their backs on him. They turned away, and Ahab caused all of this. Have you ever had a situation, say in your family or your workplace or whatever, where you gave somebody a leadership role to do, but as soon as they got into that position, they took the authority and the resources that you gave them To benefit the company, okay? To do good things in the workplace or with your family, however it worked out, whatever the situation was. But they took all of this and they turned everybody against you. And now you're the bad guy. You're the one that gave them that position, that authority, and the resources to do some good. And they used it to smack you upside your face, to slap you with it. And now everybody hates you. Well, that's exactly what Ahab did to God. He took the authority and the leadership that God gave him as Israel's king, he built this temple and caused Israel to turn away. And then he established Baal worship as national policy. And so Jehu invited every Baal worship into this very temple that Ahab had built. This temple was an eyesore in God's sight. 2 Kings 10.24 so they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had appointed for himself 80 men on the outside and had said, If any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escapes, whoever lets him escape, it shall be his life for the life of the other. Now it happened as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and kill them. Let no one Come out. And they killed them with the edge of the sword. Then the guards and the officers threw them out and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. And they brought the sacred pillars out of the temple of Baal and burned them. Then they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and made it a refuse dump to this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Finally, We've been waiting years reading in the Bible to get to this point. Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Here we are. We got here. It's about time. Now, apparently all these people, they hadn't heard of Jehu's recent work of the Lord going around killing everybody of Ahab's line. So, they just came into the temple, baited in by a grand worship ceremony, and so Baal's temple, with all of them just coming in there, Baal's temple just became a kill box. Now, after they killed everybody, They destroyed the sacred pillars to dishonor Baal worship, and it says the sacred pillar of Baal. That was probably a stone that was cut into the image of what they thought Baal looked like. And so they destroyed Baal's statue because they didn't want anybody trying to continue with it anymore. This is done. This is over with. God wants it out of here. Today was trash day, and the trash just got burned. They burned it down, and they destroyed it. And so in verse 28 is the long awaited announcement that we have been waiting through many chapters of chaos for, it says, Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. It's about time. Now, I want to give you a wide scope here. Elijah, he had been sent a long time ago to call the people of Israel to repent of Baal worship, and they adamantly refused to turn back to the Lord. They just wouldn't do it. And so finally, after many, many years, the Lord God's patience with them, he gave them a lot of time, many kings and many years, the Lord finally enacted Jehu as an instrument of judgment. Bottom line, folks, God gave these these people more than enough time to repent. And since they just would not do it, God had to condemn it by brutal force. And so this is where we clap and say, yay, it's finally done. Baal worship is gone, but now I have to break your heart with what's next. It saddens me to read this. Second Kings 10.29 However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, that is, from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin. Oh, gosh, guys, this just kills me. To finally get rid of the Baal worship, he did everything God told him to do. Yeah, he went a little overboard with it, but he did get it out of the Baal worship out of there only for Jehu to end up replacing it with the same stupid golden calves that Israel got in trouble for back in Exodus. Oh, man. After all this time, after all the trouble that all this had brought Israel, the Baal worship, after all the progress that he had made only to end up with golden calves again? How in the world? I'm just... Why? All I can say is that man... All of us, we are awfully sinful. And in this sin, there are a lot of times when idolatry sneak back into our lives and carry us away.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry
1: For life. You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life. You'll be on your way any day you decide to start.